Hey, Road Trippin' fam. We are excited to let you know that Road Trippin' is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played NBA Daily Fantasy on FanDuel before? Well, check this out. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Why should you play on FanDuel NBA? Well, for one, it is easy to use when it comes to their app. What's not to love about that? But also, for example, they offer different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Oh yeah, and get this, you can play for big prizes, single game contests for the biggest national matches, and enter contests for as low as five cents. That's right, five cents. Simply incredible. So again, let's recap. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Enter URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin to play now and get your deposit bonus. That's URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin so they know we sent you. FanDuel, more ways to win. Just Google Richard Jefferson windmill. All I get is like clips from Spongebob. <laughs> or a spy kids that toe the toe monster <laughs> all right fuck you rich i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it gentlemen what's up oh what's happening there he is. another day there he is. It's too damn early. It's too who, early for y'all. Who, who are you telling? Damn, I can I can barely get here at ten forty five. Y'all at seven forty five. Jesus. Oh, 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 what are you talking about, Allie? Allie, think about it. She's got to wake up and do hair and makeup. So she's been up for two hours. Yeah, Ooh, no, that much? Ain't no, ain't just, no, ain't no hair for sure in two thirty, two and a half of this. Yeah, tell him. Tell him, Mike. Tell him, kids. I've been up since six fifteen. Oh, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. No, but we but go. we got we got kids over here, so my kids have been up since six. Like, so <laughs> yeah, it ain't yeah, yeah. It's, like this is a normal standard. Like, I've been up for days, type stuff. I don't. Okay. Sleep. That's no. not so bad. See, my my son is thirteen, and he 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 leads an NBA lifestyle already. So my son last night at midnight, midnight Eastern on a school night, he's like, Dad. I got to check out of this Dallas Lakers game. I'm like, yeah, you got to check out. Take your little ass to bed. <laughs> Take your little ass to check bed. Out. And the first thing, he taps me this morning because he's up for school. I wouldn't even have yet. Taps me, dad, Mavericks held on. I'm like, dude, it's it's like 8 o'clock in the morning. Go to class. <laughs> Listen, man, be proud. Be I proud. My, my four-year-old my four year old sits on my lap. He doesn't really, really care. But he every time, he'll sit on the, my lap and be like, who are the ones in the blue? I'm like, that's Alex Mavericks. He's like, who is the team in the red? And I was like, that's the Chicago Bulls. And he's like, oh, who Michael Jordan played for? I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, the Jordan documentary was a big thing in our house. Like two days, like every Sunday, I was like, guess what's the day? Guess I just hyped them up until they started getting it. And then they would play Legos while I watched. But they they picked it up. They love Space Jam. So they, they're, they're, they're. You know what's crazy? I haven't even watched it yet. I've never uh, seen Space Jam either. No, no, not the I, original. I'm talking about LeBron's Space I have, Jam. I've never watched the original. Ooh, wow. Channing, I've never watched the original. I certainly haven't seen. You probably got other but, stuff to do. But. The, well, but that's, that's inexcusable <laughs> for me, given, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Last <laughs> Dance was. Amazing. Last Dance was, you know, kind of controversial in our house. 
because he got to see, like, you know, watching my son who he, he plays a point guard. He, he's play, starting to play AAU now. He's like, Dad, there are four fouls on that play and nothing was called. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, that teaches you something. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> You'll learn something. There's always there's always lessons to there's always lessons. Always. To Wait, I'm gonna show you all something as we start. I'm gonna show you guys something because I know you'll appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. um, Everybody got that uncle that run like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh shit, the grill, the grill. Who took the dogs? Yeah. So <laughs> last year, like Ma Magic oh. had his 60th, Magic had his 60th birthday party. Yeah. And only Magic after the party, which is in Europe, and you know, some of us traveled and privileged to be invited. Magic sends people gifts. It's his oh. birthday, but he sends gifts. Here's what he sent me. Oof. Game worn 1992 Dream Team jersey. I'm probably Dang. gonna I'm probably gonna steal that from either you or your son. I don't know who you're gonna gift <laughs> Oh to. my. That's yeah, ridiculous. Raven, this goes someplace. I, I haven't even figured out where to put it yet. Oh, <laughs> just throw in it back safe? on the floor. <laughs> just throw it back you, on the floor. you say in a safe, that's great. In a safe, <laughs> in a safe, what I know, and and I, I called him. I was like, uh, seriously, I was emotional over it. I was like, Irvin, did you send this to the wrong person? Aren't you supposed to be keeping this? He's like, dude, I got a couple, I, I know you'd appreciate it. You were there because I was, I was there for every thing with the dream team the whole summer from San Diego camp to the you know, the medal yeah. ceremony. I was like, man, I don't even know if I can exceed. Like, man, shut up, put that up somewhere. <laughs> pick up. I'm like, my pickup day is over. So wait, <laughs> we're we can always edit this. So those practices, right? I, obviously, they talk about the one last practice. Was yeah. every practice like that? It, close to, close to, because like they would come out of practice, Channing, and first of all, they would either before, or after, they would still do competitive stuff. Like like Michael and Coach K would play golf. And come back and when I, I guess Coach K, what Coach K, it was PJ, yeah, Michael and PJ would play and they'd come back talking about the round. And then I guess I think it seems to me like Lenny Wilkins was playing tennis. They would do competitive stuff all day, but the practices, yeah, they, I was standing outside of the practice when they came out. Even the practice early on when they played against Chris Weber and 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 uh, and Grant Hill and yeah. Gary Payne, they played all those guys. And they came out, they were angry, like they had lost a playoff game to lose that one. And in the practices, yeah, MJ and Clyde had to be separated. It's, it's like to hear them talk about it in real time was like, damn. And now it's taking on legendary, you know. Oh, yeah. It was just, it, and I know, I, I know we get, I don't, like, I don't get into that whole, oh, this era, that era basketball but it's just, it's just like, guys, like you can watch enough films of the 80s and 90s fights and see guys not thrown out. Yeah. And, and see like a fight breaks out in the second quarter and you see the same guys playing in the fourth quarter of that game. Like just, just so, like, so we don't need to tell you, oh, this game is soft and this people couldn't play in this. Like, that's not what this is about. No. It's just like saying. It evolved. It, it, the game has evolved. Yeah. It has. It was, I know you guys have, I know we should get started. I mean, no, we, we've already started. You're good. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm going to flip the script here for a second. I'm going to flip the script here for a second and just okay. say we have started our edition of Road Trip and presented by FanDuel because sometimes <laughs> when you have a guest and it's just too real and the conversation is just too easy, you just dive right in. I'm Allie Clifton Chang, Fry Richard Jefferson, and he is a dear friend. I adore him to my core. 
Uh, you know him obviously as one of the co-hosts of ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, but you've also probably read some of his stuff over the years. <laughs> if you're old, see him really everywhere. Old. Michael Wilbon. Continue. Yeah. Allie and Richard and Channing. Wait, I got on that theme, I gotta tell us one story, and then we go whatever direction you guys want. So, Richard, there's a Sunday afternoon game, playoffs. I think it's game five, but it, but it might have been game four. So it's Celtics Pistons in the 80s. And it was right after Bill Lane Beer had like taken down Larry Bird, taking him down. Like, yeah. like they were in a rodeo. I mean, just took him down <laughs> like a steer. So we're in Boston Garden, this is when, I mean, the media, we're still sitting right on the baseline. You don't have all the stuff you have now. We're sitting on the baseline. And in that game, early in the first quarter, to your earlier point, Robert Parrish, after Lane Beer, like he takes a rebound, Robert Parrish hits Bill Lane Beer with two closed fists in the face. Bam, bam. All right, Sunday afternoon, national TV, CBS, bam, bam, hits him, knocks him down to the floor. The official was Jess Kersey. I can see it. You can look it up on YouTube. We can see it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, well, it's going to be a bam, part of our bam. Jess Kersey looks at Lane Beer, looks at him, stares down him on the floor and says, get up, Bill. <laughs> they don't ever understand. That's it. That was all he said. They played on. It was good. But you know what's weird about those players is that it it only – they had such a unique ability to be able to fight and then go back to playing basketball. They did. Right? They would scrap and this. And that was one of the cool things that you would hear about, like, Michael Jordan getting in fights with his teammates. If he was going to do that to his teammates, imagine (laughs) what he was willing to do to people that were on the other side. That's exactly – did you see the clip the other day where where Isaiah hits Bill Lane Beer in the head? I mean, 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 hits Rick Mahorn in the head. And Mahorn just, like, looked at him like, Rick Mahorn scared me when I was a rookie. I'm not hitting him. I'm like, Listen, no, not, the best basketball, the only basketball moment of my life that counts larger than pickup was a pickup game in which, so coaches used to make players who didn't play in the game the night before. And Rick was young. Rick was like, Rick, Rick, Rick is a rookie and play in many minutes. Coaches, so Wes Unsell would make those guys scrimmage against whoever was in the gym. And, and so, and practices were kind of opening. So if you were a reporter, you were a practice, you better be there. You better be there. You better be paying attention. No cell phones, luckily. So Rick Mahorn would play against people like me after practice, right? That sounds, that sounds like Gilbert Arenas at the rec center. He's, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Gilbert, Gilbert wasn't doing that with the Wizards, they had stopped that. But, but when Wes was running it, you had to, so, and if you're standing over the side, Wes is like, you know the place? I'm like, yeah, coach. He's like, get your ass in there. So Rick set a screen on me once and just like, you know, you're not ready for this. You just work Friday. You're not ready. I mean, I played a lot of pickup basketball. Okay. Rick sets a screen, knocks me out. And I got up and it just, I, I was laughing. I don't know what the reaction was. And Mahorn loves that to this day. He's like told the story. You know, one reason why we got along, Mahorn was like, dude, I can tell you from the South side, you, you just didn't pay attention. I knocked your ass out. <laughs> and it's so, you know, it's like, 
it was it was it's evolved it's different and thank god it's, it's, it's not it's not that anymore. yeah we you don't want that anymore you don't no. want the 70s and 80s like dudes almost got like we people that don't know about the rudy tom Janovich, like Ooh. kermit washington like a dude Ooh, almost yeah. died like yeah. rudy tom Janovich, the coach of the houston rockets almost literally almost, almost died because now you have guys that are seven feet tall 270 pounds yeah. throwing haymakers yeah, yeah. three and then you get you know obviously the thing that's most special about basketball over every other sport in my opinion in the world is that the fans are basically attached to us they are so close to us there is yeah. no other sport that i can think of off the top of my head where fans are sitting like in on the bench they're in the huddle yeah, yeah. And so when you have people start fighting and rolling around, like these, it just, it's, it makes it. So I understand why, why, you know, David Stern and why they really started making it more and more difficult, but what it did though, this is the flip side of that. People became a lot more mouthy without consequences. (laughs) That's a great point. No, it is true because they know it's like, I have to think, I have to think either I can punch you in the face for what you said because you would never say that to me off this court, or I have to then do, you know, pay a million dollar fine because I'm going to miss eight games because of a suspension. And that really emboldened a lot of people like that fake tough guy. You never heard the term fake tough guy in the eighties and nineties, you were either a tough guy or you weren't. And it was like in hockey where they would challenge, but now you get a lot more fake tough guys. Hold me back. Hold me back. Hold me back. It's just like, yeah, we had Jerry, we had Jerry Springer on here our, our, our last episode, and it was a lot of. It's, Are you serious? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. You're, so following, you're following Jerry Springer. You're a Chicago guy. You're Listen, Chicago know that guy? Jerry Springer's a Northwestern alum. Yeah. He oh. Went to, he, he went to law school. Some days I'm not sure I should claim him, but Jerry's a. <laughs> But Jerry Springer's a Northwestern Law School graduate. I'm like, oh yeah. my God. Richard, we were the end of that era of like, like we were the beginning of the fake tough guy era, like when. After that run our test, you know, like the, the yeah, Malice and the Palace thing, they had to shut all that down. But like, I remember I accidentally, we were playing the Pistons my rookie year. And I remember, uh, and they were good, good grace, they were good. And I remember I dunked it and screamed and uh, Antonio McDice was right in my face. I was like, ah! And I remember I turned and Rasheed Wallace just hoofed me in my chest. <laughs> it was like, it's just two points. And I said, oh, I said, yeah, just two, I said, just two. And I'm looking at like my, 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 a quick tough guy story. So uh, one of these guys you will you guys will know. So um Jerry Sloan was on the Bulls, and the Bulls are trying to get over the top. They could never get they get to the conference finals. They couldn't get past either Kareem in Milwaukee or Wilt and Jerry in the Lakers because the Bulls were in the West then. So they had a chance to trade and get Jerry uh, get Norm Van Leer from I guess Cincinnati. And I was a kid. And they went to Jerry Sloan and said, look, we have a chance to get Norm Van Leer to pair in the backcourt with you. Is that okay with you? Here's what they had to ask Jerry Sloan. Earlier that year, maybe the previous year, the two of them had had a fight in the old Chicago stadium. And they, the fight rolled into the concourse during <laughs> a game. Jerry Sloan and Norm Van Leer fought into the arena. It was either, maybe it was Cobo. It might have been Detroit. So Van Lee would have been on Detroit, not Cincinnati. But he's on Detroit, I guess. They fight. It's a brawl. They're knocking down the popcorn machine. All kinds of stuff is going on. And they have a chance to trade to put yeah. Nor Van Leer with Jerry Sloan. They go to Sloan. And I each guy has told me this story. It's so great to me because I was a kid then watching the Bulls. 
And Sloan says, if you don't get a guy who would fight me into the concourse, I'll be disappointed. And, 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 and they look, traded and, and, and got him and they got to the conference final. They still, we still didn't win, but it was a great pairing. And those guys became the best of friends till, until Norm passed away. Well, and just a little look into people's and these guys, and people might not know Jerry Sloan, obviously like the Utah coach for so many years, he's up and he's a crazy one, but he was up in the, in the Bulls arena. If you've never been to Chicago, you might not know, like his Jersey is hanging up there next to MJ, next to all of those guys. But you hear that story about Jerry Sloan and then go back and think about Kobe Bryant going and trying to get Ron Artest after they battled in Houston about Kobe Bryant signing off on Matt Barnes guys that will actually challenge him that won't back down. Those yes. are the guys he wants on his Great team. Point, Richard. It's the same. It's the same mentality. Jerry Sloan, yeah. you know, he might not go down as the MJs and the Kobe's, but he was a high level player, but his biggest strength was his competitiveness. Yes. That's why he was a great coach for 20 years. So even though the, eras change the mentalities don't great players want people next to them that aren't afraid of them and aren't afraid of the moment and those are hard to find they they are there's so many there's so many like comparisons that happen right and we're asked all the time in the media business to compare for you who has seen that decade that era to then be a part of the evolution what can you appreciate about this one, this oh, era? The, the, the skills that are allowed to flourish and be shown, like Richard said, you know, the league had to clean that up. I mean, David Stern knew that. I mean, I, I so was there. To, like, that's why, why did it change? Well, here's why. I'm going to tell you why it changed immediately. One act changed it. It was David Stern three years later, five years later, Adam, Adam Silver. Who, it had to change. The, the day that a fight rolled into David Stern in the Bulls-Knicks playoff series, rolled into him on national television. It was a bad look for the league. And so right after that, it changed. I, I wish I could tell you the year of the series. Is that, um, that was, was, it, was that, because then you had the Miami one where you had Van Gundy holding on to people. Well, that was, it, you know <laughs> what, Richard, Richard, it was like every one of these things was the same and like, oh my God. Yes, you are 100% right. But you know what happens if David Stern is sitting there? Oh, like, yeah. Like, so, yes, yeah, so all these, you, you are 100% right. Like, the, the, the weight of all of them was like, no, 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 you can't have this. And, but the one where David's sitting there, I mean, I, I was sitting on the opposite side of the court and I could see it. I could see the fight roll into it. You think, oh my God, this is going to be in David Stern's lap in a second. It was close. But after that, you knew. But the, but the reason Ali had, had to go to, like to, to see the skill now that 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 flourishes, that people are captivated by worldwide. I mean, what happened is what happened would have been people would have been not, like Kyrie Irving, who I I I think is the greatest finisher around the basket for guard ever. I mean, he would have been he would have missed more games when people <laughs> knocking him out. Because yeah. guys would tell you. I mean, guys would tell us in the meet we're sitting there and like you know Mahorn or Sally or. I mean, whoever, Ed Neely on the Bulls, they would say, I'm knocking your boy out when he comes in here with that again. And that was just the the game evolved, but it had to. Now you can see the skill, the talent, the speed, the quickness, the artistry. Hockey got rid of it too. The NHL got rid of it too, overwhelmingly. But the NBA erased it. And I'm, I'm... you remember the forearm check when guys, so guard would throw the ball, guard or guard would throw the ball. I tell my son, Matty, come in here. (laughs) (laughs) And then you would... 
and then you, you would dribble. Richard, and then, you played at the at the end of that, right? Did you have a year or two of that? Yeah, I, no, I, I think I, I think I you had a year or two of that. Yeah, but it yes. was more of like they had cut it out. They had cut it out, but then right. it was like phasing out. So basically, it was like they okay. you would do the foul, you would do the foul, and then next thing you know, they'd be like, "Hey, Richard, you can't do that anymore." So then it was. A, Come you, here. You, you hear Mr. Jefferson and Ms. Frank get in here. He out here dribbling now. <laughs> yeah. What's up, man? I'm Matthew. What's right. up, Matthew? I tell you, you don't believe me. I'm like, dude. Forearm. Forearm you, check. Forearm check. That's, that's what you do. Somebody go through the lane, you teach them that if, lesson if one you time. you ran through the lane and we didn't check you, a Zeke would take you out the game. He said no free freedom of movement. So like Rip Hamilton is going back and forth and I'm trying to get off of Rasheed Wallace <laughs> to slow him down. Down for Steph and then give back to Rashid. It was wild. He let, knows let me, that. You know, you know Rip Hamilton. He played for the Pistons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm gonna give, but I'm gonna give you a quick story about. And Channing will probably remember this. Uh, you're gonna not like this story, but it's about Steph Curry. So we're playing Steph Curry in the finals. Now, fast forward. We're we're at, at Kent Bazemore's wedding with Steph. So we're laughing and joking. It's a year after, or so after the championship. And I was telling the story about how our holy goal, our only goal was to beat him up. Now you can't do it in the same way. You, can, you can't do it in the same way that you could in the eighties or nineties, but if you came up in that era, you know, the little cheats, right? And so Steph goes through this lane, goes through the lane and we're telling the story, he goes through the lane. And I remember T Lou was on film and he was like, Richard, you need to be at, you need to be denying here. You don't need to be at the free throw line. And I go coach, Steph was going through the lane, so I wanted to body check him before he got going. And, and T. Lou goes, you know what? That's okay. I get that. Any other time, I want you over there. But this is what was so funny. So I'm telling the story to Steph at the wedding, and he looks at me. He goes, that's why I threw that mouthpiece. That effing hurt. And I'm only not cussing. because He goes, that's why I threw that mouthpiece, because that effing hurt. I was so mad, and I was like... Steph, you know it's not personal. He's like, dude, I 100% know it's not personal. But it was like, I remember getting body checked and being oh, like. That was in game no six. Yeah, and he was yeah, like, no yeah, one's going to call that. No one's going yeah, to no call that. So then he got more frustrated over the course of the game. But I'll never forget, he, we were at the wedding sitting across from each other. And he was like, that's why I threw my mouthpiece. I was so mad. I'm just getting yeah. beat up. And it was. Like this, the whole game. Yeah. Oh, whole game, whole game. Oh. And, and Steph is and, and look Steph is like, <laughs> those are the little things that you can try and do because Steph is uncontrollable and unstoppable yeah. oh. but I laughed so hard because I vividly remember T. Lou kind of yelling at me and then he was like oh okay well if That's you were okay. off your you're spot with because that. You, you're, we're good with that if you were and he saw Ow. me hit Steph Ow. oh hang on before he goes before he goes who, who wins in a game of one-on-one you or your pops Oh me, no doubt about it. He does. <laughs> no doubt there about it. Go. There <laughs> we go. That's that. That's the advantage you get when your father's forty nine years old when you're born. You can meet him early in basketball. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So Which what? What high school? What high school is he going to? We don't know yet. Um, that's that's up for discussion now. Don't you know, say you know, bro. Don't say brophy. I'm glad he, he didn't hear that. Don't, it, don't I'm say, thinking about it, Richard. Don't say brophy. No. No, uh, no, uh, no. Well, no. he's probably gonna go to school here in DC. There's there's an equivalent to Brophy in terms of just Jesuit. I, I went to St. Ignatius in Chicago, okay. which is that school, Gonzaga High School here. And you know what? I don't think there's ever been there was a guy named Mark Tillman from Georgetown who played in the league for a minute. But there's I think he might be the only Gonzaga high school player from here, but it's a it's a 
tremendous school. Are you wait? Are you Brophy? We'll have to have this conversation later. Yeah, we'll have to have. Channing's a St. Mary alum, so he's a rival. And then oh, I'm just, that's I'm, right. Yeah, Channing St. Mary's. Not, we just, we go back yeah. to Arizona now. Conveniently bring this all together. Hey, to how about Jason Fontenet's son is a sophomore, and they won the championship last year. Really? Wow. Yeah. Dude, crazy. How how small the world is. Okay, see, I thought not growing up there, not, I, I thought was St. Mary's a, 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 a girls exclusive? It used to be, yeah. pretty much. It still is. It still is. It's okay. <laughs> I don't want to get you two fighting this early in the day. Oh, no, no, it starts. It listen, it's it's start. all, listen, it never you, ends. You went to a 2A school. I went to a 5A school. We're playing the big boys. Okay. Like he's Trader Joe's. I'm Whole Foods. <laughs> Right. I, but first of all, first of all, I was the best player in the state, regardless of class. That's all that matters. Richard, it doesn't matter. Who that is sort of a trump. That's sort of a trump card. Richard, wait, I have to tease Richard. And Channing already knows this. Allie, I don't know if you know this. So I'm, I don't know. I'm in Arizona one day. I got nothing to do. I said, let me just drive to Tucson. It's one of those beautiful days. You know, I'm going to get in the car for a little bit, go to Tucson. So I go, I don't even know where I'm going. I'm just, I just want to see Tucson. It was when I first first started being in Arizona a lot. I get to campus and I sort of just found it on my own. And the, I turn my car right, I look left, and there I see in all its grandeur, the Richard Jefferson Pavilion. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, he's got it like that? The Richard Jefferson like, Disgusting. complex, <laughs> Channing. It's rat infested, he doesn't pay the bills for it. It smells like you know, do you, do you guys want septic know, do you, problem. Poorly, I'm glad you. I, I'm glad built. you. I'm glad you brought that up because literally, I'm putting the last payment on that thing in a couple <laughs> months. <laughs> Richard, congrats! And all and teasing aside, it's so impressive, man. And they got to be so proud of you, and you have to be of the institution to make that kind of commitment. I, hats off, man. I, that's that's a phenomenal, phenomenal but, thing. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? To say like, hey, this huge practice gym is going to be, and it was like either me or Gilbert probably had the funds to do it. So I was like, I can't let Gilbert, can't let, can't let Gilbert name no, go on. No, he can't. Oh, and, and, and you know what, for me, it was, I'm from Phoenix. I went to, you know what I'm saying? So like, I was a yeah. local kid, I did that. They didn't ask Channing, he wasn't of that caliber. I got a brick. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a, hey, that's a, Effing oh, oh. expensive ass brick I had to pay for. Yeah, <laughs> look, it wasn't no regular brick. No. Hold so, on, but will you share your uh, Lou Olson story? Yeah. Um, I, you know, growing up on the south side of Chicago, the Big Ten is, you know, the Big Ten is, is, is a local experience to us, right? All of it. And on Saturdays in Chicago, particularly in the fall, you see people wearing their sweatshirts. That's what people do on Saturday there, football season, basketball season, and Notre Dame. But you see Iowa and Minnesota because we're the hub. I mean, when people are trying to get out of wherever it is they're from, they're trying to get to Chicago. That's, that's, that's just the reality. And so when I was a kid, Lute Olson recruited Chicago when he was a coach at Iowa. And my best friend, uh, his name was Kenny Arnold. Um, it, Bob Knight recruited him as well. But to see these guys come in your neighborhood to recruit a kid was crazy, right? And so that's the area which, I mean, we had a lot of great guards. We had Ricky Green, who was a little old. Ricky you guys Green. probably know Ricky Green. I know, I know Ricky Green. <laughs> yeah. And um, my, two, he's two years older than me. Um, 
a certain guard from the Philadelphia 76ers, Mo Cheeks. Mm-hmm. Mo played for my uncle. Um, and so you, you know, you we had all these great guards. And then and then coming on to my age, Daryl Walker lived on lived, you know, down the street essentially. And Kenny Arnold uh played for Luke, wound up saying yes to Iowa, played for Luke. Luke's hair was already salt and pepper. Already gray. This is 19. So Kenny was a freshman there in 1978 at Iowa. He got to the final four. Ronnie Lester. Right, Ronnie Lester, the legend. Oh, no, we know about Ronnie Lester. I know you guys know Ronnie Ronnie Lester got hurt. They stand by that. They stand by it. I love Ronnie Lester. I feel like they had beat Indiana earlier in the year. Earlier in that year. And then then Ronnie Lester gets hurt, and then they lose, uh, I think, Indiana might have won the, the national championship. They lost to Louisville in the semifinal. Ronnie Lester scored the first 10 points of the game. It was 10-10. He hurts his knee. Um, they lose the game. I think he played the rest of the game. Hobbled through it. And then he obviously, he was never the same. I mean, the Ronnie Lester was, for people crazy. who look to say, why was he dragged that high? Why did it make it big, big? Because when you had that knee injury back then, you were done, essentially. Yeah. Um, and but my but, friend Kenny Arnold played in the final four star, a guy I played every day with played in the final four and started for Iowa and loot. And yeah. Luke remembered me when I, I went up to Luke Richard, when it was, bef- it was back in the Steve Kerr days. I mean, it was back then yeah. I went up to Luke and I introduced myself to him and I said, I was in the playground and I was in the gym. The gym then meant Simeon's gym, Simeon, yeah, Simeon, Rice. Rose, Simeon. Um, and he said, we talked and he said, you know, those are great days coming to Chicago, doing what I did. He was in Arizona then. Yeah. And after that point, so for the last 30 years, um, I would stop and Coach Olson would treat me like I was a kid that he remembered from that time, man. So I, I felt I, I rooted. I was a maniac rooting for Arizona. Except for one game, Channing. I'm not gonna mention. I know it. I know it. Yeah, mention that. Mention that bum ass loss. That bum ass. That we haven't been to the Final Four since Channing botched that. No, he didn't. Channing played great in that game. Yeah, Channing was awesome. Speak on it. Channing was great. It's only so I can't bring the ball up to court. Oh, oh, you sound like Tom Brady. I can't throw the ball and catch it. <laughs> it's not like Tom Brady. You can't do that. No, but you know what was so funny about Lute Olson, and even when he had the ties to the Midwest, and when he he left, when he left to go back to the West Coast and took over a program that had never won, he continued to recruit the the the, the Midwest as well as love anybody. Chicago, love Chicago yeah. because he he had connections there. But Michael Wright, who I played with, who played right, Michael God, Wright, yes, yeah, God God rest his soul. He played with Kevin Garnett and played with Ronnie Fields and yes, there was just a ton of yeah. yeah but Will but Bynum, with, yeah, Will Bynum was remember was, they had know, that show I, the one where Will Bynum, Eddie Curry, uh, yeah, I, I recruited I recruited Will. Oh, but you know what was what was so. What was so crazy about Lute and and obviously like his legacy is Lute was very, very sharp until the end end, right? Yeah. Like he yes. remembered everybody. Yes. He oh, knew yeah. all of his yes. Iowa because he was at Long Beach City College, Long Beach Before, State, Iowa, yeah, yeah. and then that. So I want to talk about, I want to talk, I want to switch gears and talk about the Arizona hire. I actually talked to Coach Lloyd last night and, you know, I, I expressed to him, you know, look, I, I fully support the program and I fully support the hire. I, I, I love what you guys did at Gonzaga. I, I, you know, you guys have built a, an amazing thing, but I want to talk to you about process because I made a post on social media and the, the, the thing about process was this. 
and I want to make sure, because this is the first time I'm truly talking about it. When a program like Arizona has an, an has a hire, it's okay if you hire Coach Lloyd. That That's fine. He's, he, he's not a head coach. He's not this, but he is probably one of the best, most respected assistant coaches in the country and has been for a decade. Over. My issue with this is not so much that the contract leaked and all of their stuff, but the fact that this is how it goes. And I'm explaining to people when a coaching job like that offer opens up, you need to interview 10 alumni, not three, because those 10 alumni, now they got to practice in being interviewed. They can put that on their resume. And now you are helping the, the Arizona legacy go further because you're giving these guys these interviews, because you're giving these guys these opportunities. So there was a shit ton of alum that were upset. Not yeah. Look, the hire was that people weren't necessarily happy about the hire, but the fact that like it got leaked when you know three african-american candidates are still about to be interviewed and there's no african-american head coach in the pac-12 when 70 percent of the players I are african-american yeah are, are african-american and then you didn't interview guys like brett brillmeyer you know braze who you know was coach olsen's grandson sure. you didn't interview all of the guys just to give them a shot just to because now you're helping grow the tree by allowing that interview and there is just a ton of people it's not coach lloyd's fault but i just think that the process could have been a lot smoother richard i heard i was nodding in agreement i believe it must have been on the jump where you talked about the difference between the schools back east, starting with North Carolina, which obviously was going through, a, you know, a similar time uh, in Arizona, and I, it's a, it's a great point. I certainly had not thought of it. I, 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 you made me think of it that day when you talked about it. But here's to me, yes, when you're Arizona, your profile needs to be. You don't need to be just a school of the West. You're too good for that, right? But one of the ways you do that is to sort of showcase the talent, the tree, the people that Coach Olsen begat. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a, a second generation guy, you know, one of his guys begat that guy. I, I completely agree with you. They, they, they sort of, they missed an opportunity to let for, over, let's say it's a week. Let's say you give it a week. That's a week of local and regional news. That's a week of like, Boom, I know we might have discussed, probably Tony and I probably would have discussed it. I would have said something because I'm a, I'm a loop, you know, I, I'm, I love, I love Ludosa. So there's opportunity I feel that was missed because they did not. Um, let me tell you something. They should have brought you both in on a, <laughs> even on a, to consult, to just talk about this. Yeah. This is what schools do when they're steeped in that sort of tradition. And, and Richard, the best point, Part of that point for me, somebody who lives in both worlds, East and West, is that the difference between the way they do that in the East and the way the Western schools do it, it's, it's huge. And um, I, I'm with you. I, they, they should have taken a little time. First of all, know who the next candidates are so you can recommend one of your own, your institutional yeah. own. But that, take, that takes institutional memory and institutional appreciation. But, but it's good you have pulled their coattails on this because you listen man you and Channing and you guys aren't the only ones but you are front and center out there and doing a, an incredible job as ambassadors I know that's not the job but that's still what you guys wind up being for your university for your your alma mater so now nah, man I, I'm I'm a hundred percent with that it's like okay you you can hire 
whomever you hire, but you you showcase what you've got, what you produce, what you're about, what you're selling. You do that. And somebody didn't have that marketing sense. But just like they did to your point, both of you, you guys were in such support on the women's side. Here's my thing though. If if our players or are the guys that work their way, obviously I'm gonna use Damon Stoudemire, right? Damon Stoudemire has gone through the real grind. He didn't just go get That's right. an automatic coaching job. He was like president of operations and assistant coach. And then he was coach of the year in that conference. In that conference, yeah. Then you look at Josh Passner. Then you look at these other guys, right? Most of these guys, and I'm just going to speak this vaguely, all these guys want that job. Right. That is the reason why they go through the grind, right? It's awesome that Josh is at Georgia Tech. Obviously, he loves it. Obviously, Damon loves the job at Pacific. But if they were all given the opportunity to come back and put their imprint on the University of Arizona, it would be different. It would be that dream job, right? For me, if I ever got into coaching, obviously, I got to see what's happening at U of A. And then everything else is after that. Even if I got to take the lowest job on a totem pole and work my way up. I think we love the school that much. The school has given that much to us. And like, we're a family. So we wouldn't want to see it go outside the family without due process. And I, that's where I agree with Richard. That's I, you you both, you right. both, not, you all are just raising good points. I, I think that's, to me, it's unarguable. Yeah, yeah. This is how you go about that when you're still, I mean, because it gives you an advantage. I mean, right now, look, I'm old enough. Yes. I remember UCLA dominating the West, dominating the country, dominating Pac-8. Mm-hmm. I'm old, Pac-10, yeah. yeah. Pac-12. Um, but man, Arizona basketball subsequently has been, I mean, it's been the crown jewel of the conference. So there's really? ways to flex without flexing. Well, yes. well, the one, what, what, and the one thing that I'll say the is, not the, and, not and, the and, yeah, right. but, but, and, and look, I understand, you know, the presidents in the eighties, they have a very difficult job. I, I, I don't question that, but I will say this though. You should all presidents and ADs listen out there. When you have a legacy program like in Arizona, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, the strength, as much as you want to believe, is the name on the front of the jersey. That's only 50% of it. It's the names that were on the back of the jersey that made the name on the front of the jersey worth something. And I don't mean that, oh, it's the players. And no, no, no. I mean that like, all of the guys that Channing played for four years, I played for three years, Damon played for four years, Mike Bibby won a national championship, Miles Simon was you know, player of the year, I donated money to the gym. All of that was our names representing this university. So, and I don't think that that person has to get the job. I'm not gonna get into that battle because there's, you know, everybody wanted it. But, yeah, but, 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 but ultimately understand that if you don't have the support of the names of the back of the jersey, the name on the front of the jersey doesn't really mean oh, anything. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like when we when somebody says, Hey, where do you want to send this kid that you know? Like there's a really good kid yeah. out here in Arizona in Oregon. I'm like, well, damn, do I send him to Arizona or I don't know? Now obviously where's hypothetical, or do right. I send him to Damon or do I send him to Josh, who I know, how they teach, who's taught them, and what yeah. they're about. And that's really it. It's like when Richard and I say, Man, man you got to go to Arizona. This is what it's like. You'll be part of our alumni. You know, you could do this, we'll, you know, help you with this. That's different when you reach out to young kids like that. It's just yeah. different. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's where we're, you can tell we're still a little fired up. We're still a little. Well, uh, I, I, and, and, but look, and I, I text I, Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, and, I, and, I can't, and I can't say this enough. I 
I am rooting for Tommy Lloyd. Like I said, I talked to him last night. He did nothing wrong other than be a great coach at Gonzaga for 20 years, right? He did nothing wrong. But this is the message to all the universities out there. You gotta, if you have an opportunity to boost up your alumni, and that doesn't mean necessarily hiring, although that would be nice, it's the opportunity to interview like Brett Brillmeyer, right? For Arizona people know him because he was a player, but then he was an assistant coach for us in, in San Antonio. Um, right. He was assistant coach in San Antonio. Then he was an assistant coach in Cleveland with me, Channing, and Braun, and all of those guys when we won the championship. Instrumental. Then he, then he went on very instrumental. He used to rebound for me, Channing, Braun, JR, every single day. He was a guy that people could listen to. Fast forward, Brett Brillmeyer then goes to the, the Nets. So he's there with Sean Marks, and he helps build that franchise and is a part of that growth. He deserves an interview just because if he gets an interview, it allows for him to get a, a job or, or he can put that on his resume. Those that's how you grow your tree. This man has been working for for 10 plus years in this in this industry. And even though he's not going to most likely get it, you can help our tree. You reward those well, and, you, and you help your institution. Yeah. You help your institution because everybody looking in at this, because let's face it, everybody outside looking in is, is reminded again of Arizona basketball, how terrific it is, where it's tentacles spread, um, what kind of talent it produces, which, by the way, has to help in recruiting. Because even if that particular thing doesn't appeal to a kid, it appeals to parents, yeah. it appeals to a high school coach. Oh, wait a minute. Coach left and he was at the Nets. He was at so-and-so. Boom. He's, I, you know, I'm on, a, I'm on a search committee right now for athletic director at, at, at my alma mater in Northwestern. And that's, you know, all of that, what, what kind of uh, resources, human resources have we produced? Should we cultivate? Should we bring back? Should we interview? That's a, that's a, that's a big deal. I, I, no, I agree 100% with you guys. I, yeah. I, uh, I don't oh, want to move on. Uh, if you guys still have a lot to we say, can move on. We'll talk on. about Arizona. I just know that we'll, I just know uh, Mike has a heart out in 10 minutes. Okay. And there's still so much more to get to, but I will echo this because Wilbon said it to me last night on the phone. You two and I continue to say, obviously, I work alongside of you and I give all my time to you both. You continue to earn this space, earn this right, your voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. And by the way, your, your, your ability to engage at the high level. Look, I'm going to say this. I, I uh, Richard knows this because going back to his early career, in the NBA, I, I just, I love listening to him. I love the engagement. I love the shoot around days where the conversation might be totally something different, even though he was 22 years old. You know, it was just fun. He was engaged. I, I, I like it when guys are engaged and they can disagree. You can sit around and say, man, you're crazy. Or I, I love this point. And Channing, I, 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 you know, maybe shouldn't mention this, but I, but I am. Um, I, I, I'm, I didn't know you well enough to come up to you in, five years ago and just talk about this, but man, being doing what I do for a living, I got to meet your mom multiple times. Such a wonderful, brilliant, accomplished woman in our field in television. And, um, I, you know, just losing her at that age, man, the way you, I don't even know how you held it together during that time. I'm really good. <laughs> and, I, can and I, I can laugh, but they don't do this. Man, it was, it was I just, but I, 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 I got to know her meet her at things in Arizona. There might even been an NABJ convention in there. I'm trying to think, but anyway. Oh, yeah. She had me go one time. I had to go sit really? on the side. Yeah, All oh, right, yeah. see, I, 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 I didn't have a babysitter, and I was like, damn. She was like, I well, come. Did. And she made me go to like the little side yes. the mini people thing. And I was yes. like, I want to be here for this. Yes, you triple the size of all the kids your age. In the business of, <laughs> the business of communicating. But I, 
I'm, I'm tying those two together. Um, the ability to tell stories, to tell them responsibly, to be engaged, to have this discussion. I, I love it. Channing, when I started to try to get in touch with you and I saw you on NBA TV one night, I mean, because I know, yeah, basketball is the venue right now. You guys can talk about anything. Your intellect, your levels of education, your parenting, all of that. Look, man, you know you see plenty of fools on the air. <laughs> you see plenty of fools. We see people we want to throw. I know I, I want to throw off with a big cane. And <laughs> I, I'm proud when I see you guys. I appreciate that. Because of the level. I, I'm engaged. I am engaged when I hear you guys. I know I'm going to be engaged when I turn it on. So thank you for that. But I'm, I'm, I'm proud to know well, both of you and have well, well, seen that growth. Well, mm -hmm. Mike, and again, I, I know we wanted to talk about basketball today. We knew that was not going to happen. We, we got we Zach have three stories that we, we have to get to. Yeah. No, Okay, really quickly, really quickly. But before we get off, I just want to make sure that people understand that, like, Michael Wilbon in the sports space is the same as a Michael, don't interrupt me, is like the same as like a Michael Jordan, is the same as like a Kobe Bryant, where the generation underneath him, right, when you started PTI and your relationships and like even your stories, like, you know, you are a mentor and all of us, like you have sent me a text, You like we might not talk for six months and I get a text from, from Mike Wilbon and it's just like, hey, I really liked your point right there. And you're just sitting here like, okay, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something right. I said that a long time ago. You're probably yeah, whatever. <laughs> Shut up, Shannon. But it's just like I, I can't tell everybody enough Appreciate how you. much guys like Mike Wilbon have impacted the entire broadcasting tree and the culture of the game of basketball and sports. So it's just I, I just want to say thank you for all of your support. Ali Ali has stuff that she wants to talk about now. Go ahead, Ali, jump in. You know you're wearing, my, you're wearing a T-shirt I love, by the way. You know that. She did that on purpose. I did this for <laughs> you, and guess I've had it for like 10 years. I got it at a thrift store. How about how, how are your Browns fans going to feel about that, Ali? Yeah. I did it for the guests. Okay, all right. In that case. I love the Browns. Um, with that said, Channing had his Michael Jordan moment. And you are very close to Michael Jordan. And you also have an awesome story. You've told me so many stories, but one I want you to really be able to share. Um, you were in his office. You were alongside when he would take calls from Kobe. Yeah. People, you know, until, sadly, until the funeral, to the, you know, memorial, people did not, they didn't know that Kobe and Michael were so close. Um, and they were stunned by it, and they were stunned by Jordan's outpour, public emotional uh, outpour. Yeah. Um, I wasn't because I had a I had a glimpse, you know, into it. Um, when Michael came here to Washington, by then I, I hated trying to cover him. We had gotten to the space, and you guys know this: that there are people that can always act distant, and there are people who their, their personal lives become involved in the relationship, as I think should happen. Charles Barkley, Charles is one of my best friends. At one point, I was covering him like everybody else. And then stuff transitions and, you know. Now you're writing his books, editing his books. Nobody yeah, knows. two books together. <laughs> and, and Michael, it was, it was more personal, really, than professional in, in some ways. And I didn't want to cover him anymore. But sometimes I'd go to the arena and uh, sit in his office, too, because I'm writing for the Washington Post at the time. And he's managing, GMing, essentially, the, the Washington yeah. Wizards. And Kobe, uh, he idolized him. And... You know, we saw at the end at that memorial when Michael teared up, more than teared up, cried and 
and said he was he had been like a, a little brother pain in the ass. That is no exaggeration. So during all of Michael's, uh, I'd be at a game at Staples Center. And Kobe, let's say, had 45 and nine, which you know could happen a whole bunch of nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knew that I thought that Jordan would always be the greatest. He knew I was of that opinion. And I covered him. And I talked to him. And Kobe would, that line of reporters that's outside the door waiting to get in the locker room, Kobe would sometimes just sort of, you know, drift over and give me an elbow in the ribs or elbow in the back. And he would say, would your boy have done that tonight? Would your boy have done that <laughs> Huh? And I would say, and he would whisper it. Nobody else yeah. knew what was going on. Cause he, and I said to him one time, let me write about, let me talk about when you do that, people will get the humanity of it. He's like, no, they won't, they'll kill me. So I never talked about it until Michael sort of talked about it until he was sadly, sadly gone. But it was so funny. And I would say, yeah, I'm gonna call him now. And, and Kobe would say, go ahead, pull out the cell phone. Let's talk to the old man. Let's see if the old man was watching. And it was, it was so, it meant so much to Kobe, that sort of byplay that showed for anybody who really understood the context of it, it wasn't hard. That's how much he loved Michael. That that back and forth is how much he loved it. Well, the one thing that I'll say that I heard and it still resonates with me because all of us as athletes, we push ourselves. We, have, we push ourselves to our physical limits, our mental limits, our emotional limits, but there's always athletes that can push themselves further. And there's some athletes just like every other athlete that that just, it, it's, it's a crippling ability, right? Like when Michael Jordan said, he goes, Kobe, like he's cursed just like I am. Yes. Right. Yes. That would, the, yes. to this day, that is the biggest compliment and one of the saddest things that you will ever hear because they are they are cursed with this level of competitiveness that pushed them to a level of greatness that no 10 people on this planet will ever experience but the curse is also that it just it just consumed them right and that's all they could focus on and they know that that's not their balance but that's their gift and it goes a back and forth and it just when you hear that and it's true like there's only certain people, not the talent, right? Talent is like this, is a a little bit, but it's the work ethic and it's the mentality that's the equalizer. Richard, you're you're 100% right. So that that line, I mean, you you, you got down to the line that explains the commonality, the bond between the two of them that that Michael could recognize in Kobe and probably didn't see. So, So, you know, this leads to the whole second career thing, right? So I did, it, it's still out there, it's still online somewhere. I I, um, I did what was probably the last interview with Kobe as a active player. Um, and we talked about storytelling. Like, like he had decided that maybe, and I don't know how much Michael figured into this. Maybe he looked at Michael and said, okay, I'm not going to do this forever. I'm not, I'm gonna I'm get rid of this or channel it or harness it or edit it, but he the story the whole storytelling career. I mean, he looked at the difference between Magic and Michael in, in the basketball universe is very little to me. They're both on my Mount Rushmore, but Kobe wanted that second life like Magic. That second life that you know I, mean, I work with Magic for eight years, like actively all the time, Sundays, Saturdays, whatever game nights, and I've known him for forty. And Magic, that second life, he didn't want to have to go into it, but once he had to. He threw himself into that with the same passion and and mm-hmm. and and, and attention. Yeah. 
And Kobe with the storytelling. So the first time I sat to interview him, he didn't want to talk about what he had. There's a question where I say, you want to tell us what this thing is, this, this new thing that's consuming you? And he said, I'm not quite ready yet. He wasn't quite ready to talk about it publicly, but the next time we did it, the last one, he talked about it. And I remember Tony Kornheiser, Tony saw what we had done before it aired. He said, he wants to be Walt Disney. And of course, Tony's always given to this great exaggeration. And But, but even in the exaggeration, there was a whole lot of truth to that. I mean, you win an Academy Award, the, like the first, the second year you retire, that's insane. Yeah, but this is awesome. what he threw himself into um, and wanted to and knew. Like, like those last year or two he was playing and hurt and all that, he knew where this was going for him. Yeah. And so, Richard, you're right about consumption. Consumption is what they shared. And you could see it. They knew it. And I was just a bystander who happened to be closer in that way. And they both knew that I knew that. And that's why I think I got to share. I feel very grateful that I could be taken into the confidence um, in that way. And, and part of it, they, they knew that that was not going to be misrepresented if and when I ever referred to these things. I was going to get it. I got it in real time. When Kobe said that, the look on his face, call your boy. What was it? What, were he, what would the old man have done tonight? It was such a connection, such pride in his relationship with Michael. And yeah, Michael I saw one, uh, yeah, I saw I saw one clip online and and, he, and I think it was uh Alt the Smoke. They were uh they were talking to Kobe one like his last interview and he said something like him and MJ were talking and they were kind of going back and forth and then Kobe goes to MJ's like whoa 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 hold on don't forget who you're talking to, right? And it, and everyone laughs. You're like, think about that. Kobe Bryant is the only person where Michael Jordan will hear those words you and be hear like, that from? yeah, and be uh, like, all right, all yeah. right, all right. Yeah. Now again, there's probably Magic Johnson. There's probably some other guys. It's a small club. You're right. A it's a small club. club. But uh, current day players, like players that weren't a part of MJ's generation, that he never truly like. I know uh, Kobe got some of that, like at the at, when he was young, when he was 18, yeah. 19. Absolutely. But, like. They were they were so similar, and I think that's why Jordan fans loved Kobe, yep. right? Loved Kobe because they saw the similarities and they saw that killer instinct. That was something that was the closest thing that you can see. Yeah. yeah. If um, you don't mind, and have a minute, I do. I do. Keep okay. good. I guess you can walk away when you're ready to walk it. away. No, we're good. We're you mentioned good. it. Your Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Who is that? My Mount Rushmore is Bill Russell. I'm going to do it chronologically. Bill Russell, Irvin Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. And I know, I mean, to me, if, you, if you're going to start telling the story of basketball, you, you may not start with, with Russell. You have, you have to start with Mike and sort of just chronologically. But, I mean, Russell, my God. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm too young still to have, or let me say it this way. I'm not old enough to have seen the greatest of Bill Russell, but I saw the end of Russell. I remember the championship over the Lakers when the Lakers should have won the game in, in the fabulous forum. And that's the one where you see Brent Musburger start to interview Russell. And he starts to tear up. That was his last game. I was, I was 10. And I remember it watching with my father and uh, it's Russell. Yeah. I mean, it's Bill Russell, the greatest winner in, 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 in modern sports history. Sorry, Tom Brady. 
But then it, it's it's Magic who Magic went to the finals nine times in twelve years, nine times. That's insane. And he yeah. went. Yes, he had great teams. Everybody who had great teams had great teams. I mean, you know, Magic people say, well, different. the Lakers of Wilt they weren't as great as the Celtics. Bullshit. Wilt played with Jerry West and Gail Goodrich and Elgin F. Baylor, Baylor boys and girls. And if people don't think Elgin Baylor was great, they better go to the basketballreference.com. <laughs> what he did. Well, but, I think, was Elgin Baylor the high, was he the highest scorer when he retired? And then yes, uh, yes, yes, he was. Richard. And then Wilt passed. Other than Wilt, yes. Well, he retired right. before Wilt. Yes, yes, yes. He yeah. was the leading scorer when he retired. And then Wilt passed him. That's nothing I love about y'all. Y'all, y'all, you guys, constantly, constantly. I can see you're constantly studying and bringing historical importance into into, into light. So, Ali. That's my Mount Rushmore. I, I've said this now for a few years, and to be honest with you, I started to feel guilty about it. I started to feel bad about it in a way. You know, doing what I do, you know, you sort of get forced to make these judgments. And sometimes I tend to call people. I, I still I call people. Like we're, if I'm going to talk about somebody whose birthday is on our show or somebody who passed away or so, somebody retires, I tend to, like I'll text magic. Magic never texts. You got you got to get him on the phone. I'll I'll I'll, I'll text MJ and say, hey, what do you think about this? I, I, Charles, I talk to every week, and there are other people, other people outside the sport or coaches, you know, who I got to talk to. Um, Norm Van Leer, rest his soul, um, because I want to constantly know: Am I okay with these opinions? Would you shout it down? Like, I'm not afraid of that. I, I do a show with disagreement for a living. I can't be afraid of disagreement. Y'all started that. Y'all started that. Y'all, you know, y'all. And, I, and I, I, so those are my four, but the guilt was over not having Kobe there. And it, it happened before the tragedy. I started thinking about it like a lot. And would I change it? You're not supposed to have five people on Mount Rushmore. Well, how about we can give you a second Mount Rushmore? Because I know Kobe hits the second Mount Rushmore, right? Mm-hmm. So then I want to know the other three people because you're you're how about you just round out? We talked about it last night. Well on how about you just round out your team like Kevin Durant just did recently? My team. Because yeah. so, you also had a couple people there that you were like, they oh. did that. Well, okay. So the second t- so the, the bench would be bench. Kobe, <laughs> yeah, Kobe starts it, right? I mean, that's insane for me to say that, but uh, Kobe starts it, uh, Larry Bird, um, Kevin Durant, Ooh. Steph Curry. Um, how many is that? That's four more, right? Yeah, okay, now now we didn't you, you did not mention Will. No, I, okay. got, he did, yep. so I got Kareem, Kareem, Kareem and Will, and I get one more to get to seven to get to twelve. No Tim and Duncan, no Shaq. No, no, no. Well, no Shaq, you said, you said the big O. You said the big O. And oh, Oscar, then, Oscar. Yep. And yes, Oscar. Shaq or Duncan. I, I, like, how am I supposed to choose? And you said you struggled with Shaq, or you, you had Shaq on there. You struggled with Tim and Scotty. Yes. Okay, and here's something. And you guys know, because actually, did you guys play against Scotty his last season or two? I did. I think I did. I, did. I, did I played against Scotty. Because I'll never forget watching him in Portland and watching him spread his wings right for the first time in my life and see that he took away the entire yes if you were, if you were guarding yes. a wing if he was because he was guarding jason kidd at the time and he had jason on the far wing and he went like this and spread out his wingspan like like playing defense yeah. and from where i was i couldn't see jason right <laughs> like, like you know, because that's but that was the thing it's like yo you know you know having you know whatever you know as long as pippen's arms right like 
He yes. had the longest wingspan for a six foot eight player. And might have been Richard, might have been. Look, I, I mean, I sat courtside. I, I didn't have to look at video. I, I got to watch you guys play your whole careers. I've gotten now to see Braun and KD and, and Steph. I've seen their whole careers, but I also saw Michael's whole career. I mean, I, 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 I covered Michael in, in college. I was covering the ACC for the Washington Post when Michael was in. I got to see Michael and Lynn Bias. All right. Now that's a story. And that, wow. that, you know, Lynn Bias to me had, Lynn Bias had the most beautiful jump shot I have ever seen, period. Nope. And anybody who saw that, like I saw it on a nightly basis because I was covering Maryland and Georgetown. I got to in one, in one neighborhood and writing for the Washington Post, every night I got to pick my game. Here's my, here's the guys I get to pick at the same time. Lynn Bias, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, George Sound. The last year of Ralph Sampson. Sampson. Three-time player of the year. Yeah, I got to just like say, all right, uh, I'm going to go see David Robinson play against so-and-so. And he had like 50. And the <laughs> next night I could see Lynn Bias play because North Carolina was coming. And I could see Lenny Bias play against MJ. I got to see, I, I'm so fortunate. That I got to see all of that. And that's why like, I really appreciate the difference of the eras, but ultimately the greatness is the greatness, man. It's just like you, like you said, the game evolves, Richard, it does. I got to see all of those guys. I still do. Like, like when I'm in, I'm, I'm coming back to Arizona next week. One of the reasons I'm coming back and not I'm coming back is that Utah plays the Suns. Utah plays the Suns next Sunday, a week from Sunday. Dude, that's going to be a I game. I got to be there for that. It's going to be a really that. good game. Yes. Oh, and Donovan Mitchell comes back. Well, I, I'm hoping that Donovan is back. And, uh, and you know, Chris Paul, by the way, so this is one of those things I'm going through now. I have a vote. I take it very seriously. Let's go. Throw <laughs> your stuff up. I take it very seriously. Um, and so, like, I'll text Charles and Kenny, and, of course, Shaq's there now. I'll text those guys during the commercial break to say, <laughs> hey, I'm sitting here with my, my ballot. Can I vote for this guy legit? And the funny thing is, the comments, I'll get back to them because I'm getting comments from guys who played the game, a combination of 60 years between the two oh. of them. So I do that. I'm going to start knocking you all up. That's important thing. So I think, and I'm biased. I'm working on a book with Chris Paul, um, who I love as a player and even more as a person. And I think that looking at Chris Paul's season, the season he's having, to me, he's in the MVP conversation. I don't care about his numbers. There's one difference, apologies to Jay Crowder, there's one difference between the Phoenix Suns last year and this year. Totally. Last year when they were 25 and 36, I think when they went to the bubble. They're 11 under. This year they're 25 over. It's Chris Paul. And, and, and look, look, this is what happened with Jason Kidd. Now, Jason, Jason had some things that, allowed, that, that forced him to be traded to Jersey. Right. But we went from worst to first. I remember. Worst to first. And you like, look. Yeah, yeah. Tim Duncan wins the MVP that year, but like, like there was a lot. There were people that didn't have Jason Kidd on their first team ballot. That's, that's just true. let's just put let's just put call a spade a spade. That's Jason true. Kidd took a team from first to worst, or from worst to first, and we went on to the NBA Finals that year. Uh, so ultimately, we ended up going further. We both lost to the Lakers, but you know, Jason Kidd was the reason, right? 
Chris Paul is the reason. And anybody that wants to look any differently, look at all of the franchises he's played with. Look at the impact that he, that people thought the OKC thing, would they buy him out? Would they do this? And he was like, now nah, I'll just take you guys to the postseason. That's what I'm yeah. going to do. Yeah, it was, you know? you know, Richard, it's so funny. So Chris and I started talking about the book last year during the OKC season. So the first night, Chris, Chris called me. We had a long talk. I remember I was in the office. It was in December. And I said to him, Chris, we're just talking, man. I, I, I got to think you're going to get out of there if you want. He goes, Mike, I'm good. I'm good. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make the best of this season. We're going to be better than people think. We got some young guys who need some mentoring. We're going to be all right. And I remember thinking at the time, I love Chris, but he's crazy, right? Like this is, okay, and what did he do? For that team to finish fifth in the West last year, there's, yes. I mean, there's, you guys know better than me. There's no chance. It's absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. So this year, so this year when, you know, I'm, I'm in Arizona already, we're working together on the project, and I'm very grateful to him for, for including me. And he, you know, I knew about it a little early and I'm holding my breath because I figure, you know, whatever people thought was the issue between him and Doc wasn't no real issue. They're close. They talk all the time, you know, and they love each other. And I'm like, I know Doc is going to make a play in Philly to get, to get Chris. And Doc, you know, I, I, I've known Doc all my life, um, being both Chicago boys. And when he got there, I thought, okay, they can make a huge jump. And that huge jump is still a, a five or a six, or maybe it has to be a seven. The West is loaded. And man, to see this, but to talk to him every day because we're working on something and, and knowing what he knows. And look at Aiden. Look at what happens in the fourth quarter now, what he does with Aiden. You you guys know that's all intentional. Oh, that used to drive that used to drive me nuts. The first couple of years, and I Aiden's an Arizona guy, known him for years. He goes to Phoenix. Watching Aiden in the because I thought, I kid you not, you and I'm glad that you mentioned David Robinson because that was my first favorite player. I didn't really, you know, I love watching Magic Johnson, I love watching this, but like when you like really trigger in basketball, like trigger, and then whoever the next stud star, and it was David Robinson, and it was Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. He was doing everything, the commercials, the shoes, everything. And it was like I looked at DeAndre Aiden, I'm like, that looks like that looks like David Robinson. Seven foot with zero body fat, right? And it's just like, how was that not? And again, David Robinson was a much older, was like five years older when he came into the league. 24. Yeah, because he did the he did the year uh he did the Navy two years, did two years of service, wow. which was crazy. They were like, dude, the number one pick. So it was like he was a grown man. And they looked the like, but I'm and so like watching the way Aiden was used, he would shoot more jumpers than post-ups. He would do so much. I was like, yo, he's more talented than just a roll and replace guy. Like, and so watching Chris Paul finally help that kid yeah. like flourish and challenge him and push him, it was that that to me alone gets him a point for MVP. Well, Richard, you know, so, so last night I'm sitting watching the game with my son, who again is you know is a point guard. And so he said, Dad, why is Chris Paul still in the game in the fourth quarter? You know, they're not going to be able to come back. I said, Matt, watch the next four plays offensively and see what happens. I guarantee you he, he, he interacts in two-man game with Aiden. And he said, well, why now? I said, because it's better than practice. It's better than a scrimmage. They need to have the availability of this in the very first round of the playoffs. And sure enough, you, know, you can see Chris barking at Aiden. That spot right there, boom, turn, shoot. Okay, it's four, it's four possessions in the game against Boston. They can't win. So what? But think of how Chris is thinking ahead to what those possessions could inspire in Aiton against Dallas. 
you know, whomever. And so, yes, yes, it's like people miss that stuff. And I'm like, I ain't missing that. I mean, I, I, okay, so right now, Jokic may be ahead of him. He, he is. Embiid is coming back and he's doing his thing. But man, Chris Paul is, you know, I have in that conversation. Five yeah. spots. And I'm Chris vote Paul is the Steve Nash to the Shaq uh, MVP, right? It just, he is the heart and soul of a team. And like his stats don't matter because he's absolutely raised everyone's play that much. Are they, are they, are they number one? Are they number one right now? They won't, they won't finish one either. They won't, the, jazz, uh, the jazz will hold that. No, no oh, the jazz will hold it. This yeah. schedule so hard. Although if they can get, so they're, they're, they're two, they're two and one on this five game road trip with at, at Brooklyn Saturday or Friday. And yeah, Phoenix is two. They're two games behind. Got but... at, uh, they got at the Knicks on Sunday, which, oh my God, all of a sudden <laughs> that game is tougher than we ever thought. What? Julius Randall. Randall. Yeah. Knicks fans, Randall. The Knicks fans can't even stand when I compliment them. And they're like, you know, you're jumping on the bandwagon. I'm like, dude, Richard, look, I, know you've won, I, I know you've won eight straight, but you don't jump on the bandwagon of the of the fourth team in no, <laughs> the no, conference. No, no one is doing that. No, wait, no one is doing that, guys. Who knows how hard it is because you've been there. But but it's interesting. Like, I like. You know, I'm, I'm messing with Tony, who's a Knicks fan. Who Tony grew up playing against and with Julius Irving. Wow. Oh, wow. And I once asked Julius, when I, I mean, 100 years ago, I asked Doc when he was still playing. I introduced myself and I said, you know, Mr. Irving, you know, I write for the Washington Post. I'm new. I, I just wanted to ask you. He started, he said, how's my man Tony? I was like, oh, my God, you actually knew Tony? No, said, I'm <laughs> playground, dude. And I said, was he any good? And Julia, I said, was he a total scrub? And Julia says, hey, come on now. Tony's pretty good. Tony had a little game. Oh. I'm like, no, I don't even want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Tony Kornheiser <laughs> got the approval from Dr. J. Oh, Julia's okay. a good my, my, my mom and dad are from Philadelphia. So, like, Dr. Oh, J is royalty. And, that, and again, so... Going back, my parents are both from Philly, and I've told the story about them wanting to meet Kobe and like how crazy oh, Kobe yeah. was. But my my boy's birthday was January 24th, January 25th. Kobe passes on January 26th, but my parents were in town for that. Now I've told the the thing here about meeting my Kobe. I had to go ask Kobe if he'll you know come meet my parents. We were playing in Jersey, and I was just like, hey, will you you know come say hi to my parents? My parents want to meet you, and we had just beaten them, so you know it's Kobe. He's like, you don't want, and I don't know Kobe. I just kind of right, played right. against them. Right. Came over, so nice, and oh, where are you from? Okay, I grew up here, and it was so nice for five minutes that even like Devin George and those guys were like, uh, what's going on here? But <laughs> so, so when Kobe passed, when Kobe passed, my parents were there. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden, like they're there for my boy's birthdays, TMZ starts dropping this stuff. And it was just, my parents were dead. You know, Philadelphia people, sure. like Philadelphia people. That. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. But Dr. J better, was the first royalty. I'm gonna try to show before I do, I'm gonna try to find this picture real quick. But listen, I, I, in, in close, I gotta say this to you guys because this matters to me because I, 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 I so love both of your introductions into this world, like this second career for both of you. I, I love it. I love listening to you guys. That, that, is, that is already done. I'm trying to show you this picture. But, um, oh, wow, look at the first picture that comes up. And I'm not, this must be an anniversary of this. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Look at that. 
When was that? Was, you know, I think he's wearing the they're wearing the road stuff. So maybe that was in in Chicago or or um maybe that was in Chicago before a, you know one of the last, last game, games. Yeah. Last game. But the picture I was trying to find was one where he's with uh, my son, and he saw Matthew on the baseline and came over and said, "Is that Matthew?" I said, "Yeah." And he came over and talked to him. And I've never been allowed to, to know what what was said. I was told to get out of the conversation. And now, of course, I can't find the picture. It's but okay. he, um, you know, he was so good like that, Richard, as you know, with people. Mm-hmm. And it takes a special just tolerance, mm-hmm. you know, to always have that and to know that's going to be part of your life going forward, that you occupy a space that people want to share. And uh, I, I was very fortunate, like you, he walked over to him. I can't believe I can't find the photo, but he walked over to Maddie and talked to him and then insisted that Matthew come for that last interview. So for the last interview, I took him with me and Chauncey Billups had his daughter there and they got to be around Kobe. Now Matthew was, I guess, eight and um, he never never forgot it. I, we'll never forget it. And, uh, but it's one of those things, but you guys, you guys have compiled already uh, a decades of great stories. And I can't wait to sit around and hear you both tell them whether they're stories that start in your early lives or, 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 or bring us up through now, man. You guys do the profession and the viewers and listeners a great service. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Allie, Ladies, gentlemen. always thank you for you know, tolerating us, Allie. Yeah, as I really do, it's one thing. Richard, the coaching thing. Rod so, Strickland. One night, one night, I'm on, I'm, I'm on air with Rod Strickland. Rod Strickland used to do a show in Washington with, with Kornheiser and me. Okay. Although, so, the great George Michael, another Philly guy. So we're doing a show, and I said to Rod, Rod, Rod just had, like, everybody remembers crazy stuff about Rod, but Rod just had it. He just has it. Mm-hmm. Up here, he just has it. And so I said to Rod on camera, I said, Rod, don't you want to coach someday? And this is, he's winding up, like next to last year. He's, and he said, Mike, he said, I don't want to coach one of me, much less five of me. And of course, the line is uttered in only the way that Rod can. And we just cracked up, like the show had to end right there. We had to go to commercial. And, and in the break, it's come on, Rod. Rod said, no, 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 man. He goes, I got a great life. I got something I want to do. He's done TV. He's done. But then look who wound up in coaching. Coaching. <laughs> I called him when it was announced. I'm like, Rod. He just started laughing. He said, I know I'm going to hear that story again. I'm like, yes, you are. I love Rod. <laughs> and so when you said on the jump the other day, no coaching, I, I immediately texted you, of course. And I'm yeah. like, no, Richard, let me just don't close it off. And here's why. You, and this applies to Channing as well. You guys can reach people. It's the most important part of coaching. Like every one of these guys we talk about, Ludos, everybody has their own way. You guys reach people. My son will be better off having listened to both of you say two sentences than hearing from me or even his coach about what basketball was like, the physicality. So just, I get it. It's hard. It's much more stressful. I tease Jeff Van Gundy whenever he threatens to go back into coaching about the stress. But... Y'all got the y'all got the gift of communication and, and, and getting people to understand and probably if you wanted to do what you want them to do. So 
Thank you for putting up Thank with you're me. The man. Can, I, can I let everyone know that no. Lamont told me last night we are not going to want to listen to him talk for longer than 45 minutes. I did. It's been over an hour well, and we continue. talk to you guys. First of all, Adam and I get to sit next to each other like for years now. And we, we always have a great time. But again, I'm usually talking to the television. Even when I see Channing now, I'm like, dude is just rolled in and got prominent. Right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm proud to know you guys, man. Thank you, man. You're the best. We appreciate your time, Mike. Hey, Road Trippin' fam. We are excited to let you know that Road Trippin' is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played NBA Daily Fantasy on FanDuel before? Well, check this out. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Why should you play on FanDuel NBA. Well, for one, it is easy to use when it comes to their app. What's not to love about that? But also, for example, they offer different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Oh yeah, and get this, you can play for big prizes, single game contests for the biggest national matches, and enter contests for as low as five cents. That's right, five cents. Simply incredible. So again, let's recap. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Enter URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin to play now and get your deposit bonus. That's URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin so they know we sent you. FanDuel, more ways to win.